Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Monday evening, reflecting into this great theme that we discuss on Monday, Witness and the Call to Witness. Uh, this evening, I have Chris Seibert joining me from Notre Dame School. Chris, it is great to have you with me tonight. Joe, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. It's uh, been quite some time, so it's it's always yeah. good to have you back when you are able. Mm-hmm. Chris, we have this call to witness to our faith, and I'm going to make a confession. Uh, last Friday in our treatment of Scripture for Sunday, I intentionally cut it in half, <laughs> and this um, program tonight is the second half of that program where we will look once again at that passage that we heard from Mass this past Sunday those sets of verses at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look at those verses, the call to make disciples of all nations, baptize, teach, within the context of of witness. And we're going to reflect upon uh, the importance of seeing evangelization for what it is and catechesis for what it is. So with that, why don't you go ahead and get us started, Chris, with that passage from Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 to 20. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Amen. Thanks for reading that there, Chris. You know, I think the one word that stands out to me in those sets of verses that I didn't talk about last Friday that I was once again intentionally holding off on, was go. Go. I mean, when you read those sets of verses, uh, even in in light of the other uh, few verses that we heard from the Gospel on Sunday, uh, that Christ was empowering them with his own authority, that word go, we can easily talk about Christ and and his authority and making disciples of all nations, that the Trinity... The, the catechesis going on, there's so many things. But that one word, that one two-letter word, Chris, mm-hmm. go. The, the, the sense of urgency, the sense of immediacy, the sense of now, right. it's time. You know, I wouldn't think not to go when the gun goes off at a track meet. When you hear that gun, it's time to go. You know, I, I used to run track growing up and... You know, I'd get nervous in line and some butterflies, oh, maybe. Oh my goodness! And then some. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have ever dreamed of not going. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ, Christ is telling us to get to the starting blocks here. He is telling us to get ready, on your marks, get set, and go. And are we ready to go? What are we doing? Are we going? Mm -hmm. Are we a part of this drama in salvation history? You know, 2014, Chris, 2014, when I was coming over here, I couldn't help just 
be overwhelmed. Here we are almost 2,000 years later to those very words, and there has never been such an urgency to go, to go and make disciples of all nations, to participate in the life of the church, to teach all that Christ had commanded, and yet we fall asleep in complacency. We allow the busyness of the day the television programming, the internet, all that just seemingly consumes us in our day to quiet our souls, to quiet our hearts. And the end result, we don't go. We don't go and make disciples of all nations. And yet, this is why I wanted to devote a whole night to really focusing in on this going, Chris, because The time is now. I mean, Pope Francis made it clear in his exhortation, the joy of the gospel. What, and I loved how he put it. Whatever you did yesterday, whatever you think you're going to do tomorrow, you don't want to know what? Reconcile yourself with God, be right with God, and go. The time is now. And so I, I pose to our listening audience tonight, Chris, you know, are we in the business of going? (laughs) Are we in the business of uh, being at that starting block and getting ready to take off? Because it's time. The time is now. This is a challenge, Joe, to me. Um, All your words right now are reverberating in my own mind because I have a tendency, I think, to have this angst about, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. I'm thinking reasons not to go. Uh, When I reflect on my own faith journey, though, when am I at my best or when am I contributing most to God's kingdom? It's when I am more of a, I'm going like that nine-year-old Joe Holcraft from the the gate, just like gangbusters, unbridled and going. And, And I feel like there's that challenge for me and for all of us to not, uh, sink back into what I would say, you know, you get this paralysis by analysis, you know, you overanalyze things. And I'm hearing it loud and clear right now in my own life, (laughs) Um, ways that I need to go, you know, I do need to go. Well, and so what does this mean? How do we go, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was about to say, blessed, St. John Paul II uh, gave us a beautiful insight into what this looks like in his work on catechesis in our time, on what evangelization looks like. He says, really, the gospel kerygma, or we can say evangelization, is the initial ardent proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith. I'll read that again. The initial ardent proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith. There's several words here that stand out to me, Chris, as it relates to what this going looks like. First of all, the word ardent. We have spoken before in the past of this threefold principle of the new evangelization, ardor, methods, and expression. And I have said... And I will reinforce the importance of looking at that threefold principle sequentially because ardor being the first principle is foundational 
to properly understanding how we are called to evangelize. Why? Because ardor, first and foremost, is a word that means fire, set ablaze. So that ardent proclamation is one that is caught up in the Holy Spirit. You know, next week, Chris, we are going to talk about Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit in the form of fire fell upon the apostles. The apostles were set ablaze. They were set on fire for God. They were zealous for God. And when you are zealous in truth, this is contagious. So what then begins to happen is our fire-like proclamation is a proclamation that becomes contagious. It affects those people around us in ways unseen. Suddenly, the people around you are touched by that fire, and they too are set ablaze. And when we proclaim the truths of Jesus Christ in that fire, the Holy Spirit just blows upon that fire, and it just spreads. And then, Chris, after that fire spreads, the person is what? That other word that is so key, overwhelmed. And then in turn, they seek to entrust themselves to mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the entrustment is, is the catechesis. Mm-hmm. You know, in the opening verses, Chris, of Luke, we have uh, Luke saying, inform them in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Well, really, he's saying the same thing that we heard in these last verses from the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, the Gospel of Matthew says, teach them what I have commanded you. Essentially, what he's saying is, inform them in everything that I am. And that's actually where, in in the opening verses of the Gospel of Luke, that's where we get the word catechesis, because the word informed comes from the Greek katekeo, which is, of course, the base word for catechesis. So once we have been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, once we have heard the saving message of Jesus Christ, we are then more disposed to entrust ourselves at a deeper level to Jesus Christ. And again, that is catechesis. So what you have in that soundbite from St. John Paul II is a distinction between evangelization and catechesis. The evangelization is the overwhelming moment, that personal encounter. And then once you've had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, you're going to entrust your life to him because once you've come to know his saving love, then, well, it's a no-brainer. Joe, my own experience uh, is so along the lines of what St. John Paul II had to say there. My, my initial entry into living faith, I mean, I was raised Catholic, and I, you know, I always knew I would be Catholic, but when I first moved to Chico in 92, we're talking 22 years ago, I met with a group, it was a prayer group, and I walked into this group, you know, and what I saw was it was ardor. It was a community that was living their faith in a way that I thought I thought they were from another planet. But I was coming from Southern California where I hadn't seen this lived, this faith of ours lived. And it was a communal expression of who God was, just by the way they lived their lives, by the way they interacted, of course, by the way they prayed as well. But I went from that prayer group to then for the next year or two immersing myself in what they had mm-hmm. because I saw what they had. Mm-hmm. I knew for darn sure I wanted that. And the more I got of it, 
the more I, I couldn't get enough of it. It was, mm-hmm. it's an, it was this insatiable um, desire to fill myself with that goodness that mm-hmm. I saw. And it was that, you know, it was that community that opened the door for me to see what, what this faith of ours is when it's lived. And then I've spent the next 22 years trying to catechize myself. I'm still trying to do that <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. It's a natural outgrowth, though, mm-hmm. of that wow moment where I just, I, it, it's, it's still with me, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. order. Well, and you had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, those living in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's really the essence of evangelization, the summoning in that encounter. And and this is the beauty of you know, the, the language of the new evangelization, this call to not only summon man into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ going, right, mm-hmm. but then catechizing, you know, not only just making disciples, but then teaching and, and educating. I, I love the analogy that is given. You know, I have, uh, I have an eight-year-old son who uh, now very much enjoys the game of baseball, uh, much like I did when I was eight years old. But when he was five, he wasn't really into baseball. You know, in fact, I remember, I remember Chris talking to him about the game of baseball, and he was not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it occurred to me, well, all I have to really do is take him to a game. And if he's not turned on by that, well, then there's no hope for him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. I, I did. And as I've shared the story, when my son, just five years old, walked through those doors and he looked out into the grandeur of this stadium. And this was just the Coliseum where the A's play. I didn't, I didn't take him to, uh, what is the Giants part called the cathedral. now? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What is that? Uh, Petco now it's or AT&T? Been, S- what SBC, is it? yeah. AT&T now probably. Anyhow, I took him to the Coliseum and yet still, I mean, to go to a baseball game and he took it in. And I just remember looking at him, and he was looking at the grass. Yeah. I mean, there's something about that fresh-cut grass of the a way baseball fan. fans yes. out into the outfield, perfectly symmetrical and green beyond belief, and the, and the, the milk white of the bases against the, the clay of the infield. He was overwhelmed by yeah. it. He was overwhelmed by that very thing you're talking about, the symmetry, the beauty. Yeah. And then we're there at batting practice, and he hears the crack of the bat. You know, when he smells the popcorn, he's, mm-hmm. he's having his malts. And what I try to do weeks before in explaining to him the intricacies of the game, Chris, he now is asking me by the fifth inning. He was now wanting to know about the infield fly roll. He was now wanting to know the numbers tied to the position. So when the announcer mm-hmm. calls a 6-4-3 double play, he knows what that looks like. Right. He was now asking me. He had this Uh, aesthetic arrest with the beauty of the game of baseball. And in that beholding, he could not help but just inquire, what's the meaning of all this, Dad? Right. Right? Dad, I'm in aesthetic arrest right now. Can (laughs) you help me here? That's right. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a Bob Balthazar, right? You know, he... This is what our encounters with Jesus Christ are about. This is what happens. I mean... Beauty incarnate is what we have in the person of Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine. We have that arrest, and we cannot but help begin to ask, what is the meaning of this? 
when you have that encounter, Chris, with that uh, prayer group, with that mm-hmm. community, you're asking a new question, and new questions lead to new beginnings. And so this is the relationship then between evangelization and catechesis. Evangelization is about the encounter, and catechesis is about getting to know more the person that you've had that personal encounter with. And that's what is so exciting about uh, the Catholic and Christian faith, because ultimately what we come to discover is that the grandeur of catechesis is never reduced to something, because the doctrines of Jesus Christ are about someone. So we're informing someone, not in something, but the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why doctrine itself, catechesis itself, is an ongoing evangelization, so to speak, a deeper evangelization that we've coined catechesis. And you say the word deeper. Uh, You know, when I had my encounter with that group, I I remember thinking there's something, there's so much depth here. I can't put my finger on it. It's not like, you know, uh, an individual would say, you know why I have, where my joy is? It's from catechism, you know, paragraph 333, or yeah. it's from, uh, you know, Matthew chapter 28. They don't, you, they didn't need to say that. Mm-hmm. So that didn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. I knew that they had had an encounter with holiness. Then it was up to me to then, you know, really search the depths, you know, to, to yeah. begin to dive into it with their help, of course. But that initial, you know, encounter is what made all the difference. That was the evangelization. Yeah, they were in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, and as the Holy Spirit works, it was just spilling over. Yeah, it was an outgrowth. Yeah. Yep, and you know, Chris, we, when we think of being a disciple, we have to be mindful that this isn't something where you just, you know, magically poof, one day wake up and, wow, I'm a disciple. It takes work. Why? Because discipleship, as we talk about in the context of actuating our very lives in relationship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, it's a relationship, and all relationships take work, right? So once we understand that discipleship, first and foremost, always starts with the word relationship, then, and only then, can we begin to understand that, yeah, this is going to take work, just as our relationships take work, just as our relationships in our everyday life, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, demand that willed yes. So it is our relationship with Jesus Christ demands that, yes, I am going to follow you today, um, and I am going to listen to you more acutely. And this is really the key that unlocks discipleship. In the Christian Catholic faith, Chris, is that word listen, because to be a good disciple, a great disciple, a saintly disciple, means that you are a good listener. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is go into the word. Disciple, discern. It comes from the same root, right? To, To understand or to come to understand, right? A disciple is one who is coming to understand, so as to better respond to what Jesus Christ is putting before us, to be able to listen acutely. You know, someone came up to me, and man, I've been getting this question a lot, actually. I mean, if someone were to ask me what's the top question the last few weeks, it, it is, Joe, isn't it enough for me to just be a good person? 
been getting that a lot, Chris. Is it enough for me just to be good? Mm-hmm. Well, sure, on a level. But Jesus Christ doesn't call us just to be good. He calls us to be disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the distinction? We can have a lot of goods before us, Chris. In fact, I think it is a way Satan gets in. He puts two, three, four things, four mm-hmm. good things before us. And we think we need to do all four because they're what? Good. Instead of discerning, well, maybe it's not best that I do all four, because by doing all four at once, I don't do one good well. I need to discern what's the good that is the willed good. And that is the true mark of a disciple, Chris. Mm -hmm. The one who is able to discern and recognize, first, that not every good is a willed good. And the willed good is the one that I come to understand based upon what Christ is telling me to do. Because we cannot do so many things great at once. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus commissions us, remembering that the word commission means to be sent with, cum missio, to be sent with the Holy Spirit, he is telling us to be in a living relationship with him, and that by doing so, we will be able to better understand the mission he is sending uh, us forth on, knowing, knowing that we need to be in constant relationship with him if we're going to hear what he wants us to hear. Yeah. You know, um, I was listening to a talk by Mark Hart, who is a great evangelist in the church, and he, he defined discipleship as, or to be a disciple means to sit at the feet of. And I think for me, when I think about everything you're saying here, Joe, um, for me to be a disciple, I, you know, once I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not moving. Uh, you know, I'm immersed in what he has to show me because he knows me and he, and he loves me. I'm not moving anywhere. But the difficulty is getting to that seat sometimes for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to sit at the feet, are there obstacles? <laughs> like you say, are, am, am I trying to do too much or am I not going enough? I think that's what I'm taking from this discussion pretty strongly, Joe, is, you know, I need to get to that seat. That's, mm-hmm. that's the big thing. Because once I'm there, you know, God's going to work with me. Yeah. And it, it's a... Uh, discipleship is a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Discipleship is something that is... You know, you talked about that insatiable you earlier, mm-hmm. Chris, this, yeah. this desire. I mean... When we fall in love, does not, in the process of falling in love, the thought of our beloved consume us. All we want to do is be with them. All we want to do is do things for them. All we want to do is to just be in their presence. Even that exhale, you know, in that exhale, you want to exhale with them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so... There's this collective hunger and thirst. This is the same thing in Christianity. This is what it means. Again, I, I can't overstate it enough. This is what the ardor and the fire is about, to actuate our very lives with the Holy Spirit, that everything we do becomes a program of the Holy Spirit. And so for all of this, Chris, you know, there's this element of needing to teach with fear and trembling all that Jesus had commanded, how he saves, how he sanctifies, 
how he guides, how he lives, how he speaks, how he loves, how he rouses us up in his greatness and his goodness, how he moves, how he redresses, how he judges, how he forgives, Chris, how he calls us to give him anything and everything that we have that we might come to know him. How he takes us by the hand day by day and into the path of history shows us what it means to be the best Joe Holcraft, the best Chris Seibert, <laughs> the best, as Matthew Kelly likes to say, version of ourselves. And only then, only then will we begin to really understand it. So we have this personal encounter with Jesus Christ in this evangelical moment, and then we have this catechetical moment, that moment of going deeper, falling more in love with Jesus Christ, getting to know all of the intricacies that belong to Jesus Christ. And that is something worth living for, as uh, one Fulton Sheen liked to say, you know, because in the end, what we're talking about, Chris, is the inexhaustible mystery. You know, people say to me, you know, Joe, I think I've got this figured out. You've got what figured out? Well, collectively, the Catholic faith. You do. <laughs> and someone says to me recently, you, you have the Catholic faith figured out. That's good. Yeah. You know, but he was putting it in the context of, well, I, I've gone as far as I can go. Oh, I mean, what does Thomas Aquinas say? The more I come to know, the more I realize how little I know. St. Thomas Aquinas is teaching us about the nature of mystery. The word mystery comes from the Greek mysterium, which simply means the inexhaustible reality of God. It is inexhaustible because God's love has no depths. It has no ceiling. It is immeasurable. It is nothing you can calculate. It is revealed on the cross. On one level, it makes no sense. But this, that is the nature of mystery, the nature of love is what beckons us to ask the question, Chris, why? Why would he do this? It doesn't make any sense. In fact, on a human level, it makes no sense. But this is the wisdom of God. You're right, he says. It doesn't make any sense. And there, there's so few things about Christianity that do make sense. Therefore, Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.